Hey guys, welcome back to a special episode of Coffee with a Shot of Cynicism. I'm Eleni. I'm Jeffrey. That took way too long, Jeffrey. <laughs> I forgot my own name, apparently. Well, that doesn't surprise me. With, what, <laughs> with what's going on in the world, not because of you. Just like, it's a crazy okay. time. Yes, agreed. Um, and this is the third installment of what we're calling our Quarantine Queries um, special series, I guess. Right? If I had asked you in the spring if we'd still be doing quarantine queries in December, what would you have said? I would have said, I don't want to, but I believe it because people are stupid. Okay. I would have, I think I'm, I'm not going to say I was in denial in the spring, but I think I was like kind of on this, on the, you know, on the school of thought that it'll probably be much better by then. I think mm-hmm. that was, but I was living in a dream world. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I will definitely agree. I was hopeful that it would be, it would be better. Or we would at least be able to, like, see family members. <laughs> or they'd have some kind of handle on it, but, you know. Well, as we stand right now, there is there are two vaccines. Yes. Um, but uh, Quebec just recently went to another, well, is going into another lockdown, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. And Ontario has been locked down. Well, Toronto, at least, has been locked down since, I think, for the past four weeks. Yeah. Um, but our cases, I get weekly, I get daily updates from the hospital because I work in a hospital, and our cases today were 2,300. Mm, terrific. Which is fucking ridiculous. And um, yeah, we we have like we have bi-monthly meetings, like hospital-wide town hall meetings, mm-hmm. and they're not encouraging. <laughs> they're really not. Like I don't think anything is very encouraging at this point. It's just like no, I mean, nothing. This Nothing this year has been encouraging, let's just say yeah. that. No, for sure. But, I mean, like, the CEO and COO, um, like, talk to us about what's going on and give us, like, a little bit of insight, which I guess is great because you don't like feeling left out mm-hmm. and not knowing certain things. But um, our next one is this upcoming Friday, and then we had one two Fridays ago. And I remember two Fridays ago when the numbers, um, like, were starting to not not be great, yeah. <laughs> to put it mildly. Um, they explained to us how the new system works. So the new system that's in place is basically a patient sharing system. Okay. So because some hospitals are overflowing, it's basically a free-for-all. So, like, if one hospital even three hours away gets a patient and they're at capacity, they could potentially send them to us even though we're three hours away. (laughs) Great. That's that's so encouraging. I'm, like, so comforted by that. Yeah, so I walked away from that meeting being like, oh, my God, we're fucked. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, um, one step at a time. I do have to say we've spoken, I don't know about you, but I've spoken to a couple of our listeners. Oh, we speak to them all the time, don't we? No, I know, but I'm saying about this in particular. So a couple of our listeners have, I know we speak to them all the time. We're really, like, it's like we have no friends. We're just, like, talk to us. Um, (laughs) But um, a couple of our listeners have conveyed to me that they have either tested positive or their family members have tested positive, despite following all the rules and guidelines. Um, So it's scary. And I just want to say we're thinking of you Mm -hmm. and of you and your family. And I hope I hope you get better and I hope you're okay. Be safe. I don't know. I'm very discouraged. (laughs) And let's just hope that 2021 is kinder to us all. Uh, yeah, we're, we'll see. I'm, I have very low expectations. <laughs> and I think that's like, you know, 
in general is, is is the good way to go when things are terrible is like you keep your expectations low and then when if, if things get if things get better or if, or if things you know perk up at any time then it, it's a pleasant surprise yeah so uh that's that's the key to life i feel like keep your expectations low yes especially in you know the pandemic age exactly. ladies and gentlemen so um we'll leave it at that we'll stop freaking you out with shit like that um do you I'm, so, do- I'm so jaded with it now though i'm like i know what what like what else like is okay yeah sounds about right yeah i know like every time there's something else i'm just like yep <laughs> god is punishing us <laughs> um it seems every time something goes wrong it seems very on brand for this year yes and on brand for this podcast i feel like 100 <laughs> um but that's where we stand right now. So hopefully better things in the new year. But we really couldn't stay away for that long. No. And so much has changed, I feel like, since the last time uh, we spoke to you all. Um, Donald Trump lost the election about 10 more times. Um, Taylor Swift released a whole other new album just out of the blue. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else happened? A bunch of other things. I feel like so many things happened and it's like boiled down to three in my mind like I'm just oh my god it's just every day is just a a shit show of news yes truly um but yeah the fact that Donald Trump keeps losing is really keeping me going right now I love how the Supreme Court is just like no go home sorry honey no baby bye (laughs) (laughs) yeah I love it but Whatever. Also, we lost a bunch of followers because of that Donald Trump shit. Bye. My. Don't let the door hit you on the ass on the way out. Yeah, I don't care. Um, okay, should we get into some questions? Because after all, it is quarantine queries. Yes. So, so shall we? We did, we did ask we this questions. So Jeffrey yes. for a change is going to ask me the questions. Yes, because I feel like it's always just me saying, "Okay, ask me questions." Just. But I feel like now we have to switch it up and, ha- and have uh, me ask you the questions. My, my, how the turntables. <laughs> so we did receive uh, quite a few questions from our listeners, and we've handpicked um, some of the best ones. Mm-hmm. And the first, I think one that we'll start with, which is very apropos given the popularity of a certain Instagram post of ours. Uh, someone asked, who in Stars Hollow would do the best in, and worst in quarantine and why? Ooh. Yeah, so if you don't know what Jeffrey is referencing, um, I had found this Twitter thread um, about, well, basically it's how, if if Gilmore Girls was set during the pandemic, yes. how each of the characters would respond. So, um hands down one of our most liked posts and like so many people in the comments just tagging their friends and like everyone's just like oh my gosh this is so accurate so the person who wrote that thread like needs to be hired by uh, a television show so my caption for that because i was the one that posted it is if there is to be a second season of a year in the life amy sherman palladino should hire mike over here because he clearly knows her characters better than she does and what we were getting in the comments was, oh, my God, this is so accurate. I read that in their voice. I, I can picture them saying that. And it was really, really spot on. It really was. And uh, Mike DiCenzo, who, who wrote it, is actually a comedy writer. So, But the fact that he got this 
so freaking right. I just, I had to share it with everyone because I was like, I got a kick out of it. You're definitely going to get a kick out of it. So I was just, I was, it was the best. <laughs> and uh, Lauren Graham and Kiko Ajena actually responded to it on Twitter saying it was so accurate too. It really was though. Like just, I I also heard it in the characters' voices, especially oh the one, especially the one about Paris saying, don't flatter yourself. Your brain's not yeah. that big. So that one and also TJ's voice. Yes. Which brings me to my answer for this question. So I think definitely Liz and TJ would be the worst. Oh, definitely. Um, Like, not because they're rule breakers, but but I think it's because it's just, like TJ especially is just so fucking clueless. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? I can't give you a hug. And you're like, go the fuck away, TJ. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so there's that. Honestly, I was. This is one of the questions that I saw beforehand, and I was thinking about it. Hear me out. I think Taylor would also be very bad. I agree. Because on the one hand. He's very much like a rule follower and he loves to set the rules and be the law kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But he's also very capitalist stingy. Oh, yes. So he'd be like, I'm not following lockdown things. My soda shop needs to be open. I but think I, we said it before, right? That Taylor Dosey would 100% have been a Trump supporter. 100%. 100%. So I think he would be also very bad in quarantine. I think Luke would be the best because he doesn't want to see people anyways. Mm-hmm. So he'd be like, in my apartment? Great. Yeah. Um, I think Suki would really be in her element, like, with the, like, cooking. Mm-hmm. But from everything I've heard with people who have kids during this quarantine, it might be a little crazy with three kids during quarantine. And I, and I love how the, uh, Mike, who, who wrote the thread, said that, like, Suki has, what, seven more kids in quarantine? Yeah, but you know what? I have an issue with that. Of course, because... Because she wasn't even supposed to have the third kid. No. Because she thought her husband got a vasectomy. So my guess is that she made she made Jackson get the vasectomy, finally. And as, we, as we've also said, Suki and Jackson are a garbage couple, so... Yeah. It would make sense that they wouldn't communicate and have seven more children. Sounds about right. Honestly, my dream scenario for Suki and Jackson is they get divorced. <laughs> like, they realize that they're terrible for each other, and they get divorced. I feel so like in some other realm, that would actually play out well, considering that for most of the show, like, we see how bad they are communicating and how bad, like, how easily they fall into stupid arguments that, like, um, having them also get divorced at some other time in, you know, this yeah. realm of the show would be satisfying. Absolutely. Um, so either you get your shit together and learn how to talk to each other, but I don't see that happening. So just get a divorce. Get a yep. divorce. <laughs> what do you think? So I think, like, Lorelai would also be pretty good at mm-hmm. um, lockdown and quarantining just based on, um, you know, scenes where we've seen her by herself, like, just curled up on the couch or in her bed watching movies. Like, I feel like she'd be good at that and would be able to stay in con- like, would be calling Luke or Rory on the phone all the time. I feel like she'd get lonely, but I think she'd be good at keeping distance and staying staying home as much as possible. Yeah, I think she's very much a homebody in that sense. Yeah, exactly. And not to say, just just so we cl- we we you know clearly air on this, homebodies don't necessarily have it easy during this time. No, but I feel like there's a lot of discourse, and I think we've we've talked about this before. There's a lot of discourse 
about how, you know, it's easy, much easier for introverts this year than anything, and it's not necessarily. Yeah. Um, nothing about this year is easy, so let's, let's just, you know, rid all the internet of that thought. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think Lorelai would definitely be, you know, good at keeping distance and staying home. In terms of the worst, I would, based on that thread, I would, I could see Logan being really bad just based on, you know, like almost like the Kardashians, like getting everybody tested and having a party on an island or something. What are talking about? Because I remember, like you said to me, Logan is very accurate. And while I agree, it was super accurate. So Logan's was, um, like he invites Rory to, to join his bubble, mm-hmm. shows up and there's like 150 people. And then I was like, See, I can see that happening, but I can see him going the rich person route and getting everyone tested before they're allowed to come, like, in his bubble, right? To, so which, like, I, to which I say, yes, eat the rich. <laughs> because fuck you. So I do agree, but I could see it going both ways. I could see it, like, him yeah, having a party and having everyone tested just, like, for the sake of it. But yeah. I could also see him having, like, a private, you know, bubble quarantine thing where it's just all these people together in the house and they're just crawling all over each other and that's not necessarily the same thing as <laughs> being in lockdown quarantine etc no, exactly yeah so you're either way you're breaking the rules let's be honest yeah and i think i think it's it's uh, it's a bit of a touchy subject actually saying who would be the worst in quarantine in stars hollow just because um I think America, not to offend any American viewers, I think we've, you know, crossed that bridge several times. You offend an American viewer. I mean, excuse me, was I not attacked on the internet? But when that, I wrote that article about feeling safe at the library, like, yeah, I think I've had, well, I think I've had my fair share of American attackers this year. Oh Lord. Um. Anyway, but not to not to offend um any American listeners per se, but I think. In America, in the United States, um, just the the concept of quarantine and lockdown is very different from other places, shall shall I say? And I think um, like their idea of quarantine is is just not necessarily the real version of like the real actual definition of quarantine. So I would argue that maybe a lot of people in Stars Hollow are not good at quarantining because they don't really grasp the subject very well. Um, so I agree to an extent. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's an American thing. Like not exclusively American, but I, th- oh, I feel like we, we see it a yeah. lot in America. So that's the thing. That's what I'm getting at. Um, because I've noticed my fair share of that here. For sure, yes. Um, this sense of entitlement of like, I don't have to follow the rules. I'm fed up. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to wring everyone's neck. <laughs> so like, I don't know. But that being said, Connecticut is also very white. Yes. And so like, I I would see white privilege shining through. Yeah, and like not to say that not to when I say not to offend, I mean not to say like everyone in the United States is necessarily for like Trump. that <laughs> for Trump, but <laughs> I think. Um, just in general, um, kind of like Babette's tweet in that thread about how let's just throw a party and say go to hell with it, like on the yeah. Titanic, like that. I feel like that would be an attitude I could see a lot. Of, I, I could see in a lot of people in Stars Hollow. Yeah, no, I get it. I get what you're trying to say. Hit me with another question. Uh, what else do we have here? Um, so 
Our lovely friend Aditi wants to know, uh, do we listen to any other podcasts? And if so, which ones? Oh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Um, So I used to be very um, news oriented with my podcast. Because, because like, news is so crazy these days where there's so many things coming at you at once. Yeah. I used to listen to, like, a 15-minute daily news podcast that would give you, like, the highlights and then maybe go into a little bit of detail on some of the other stories. And that was it. Like, I would try and limit myself to that, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But I find since the summer, at least, because of everything that's going on, I can't even get into that. So I've been more lately I've been going more the route of like comedic podcasts yeah kind of take my mind off of things and um best decision ever (laughs) 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 I still don't follow the news but it's just it's too much you know like I'm just like I want to break sometimes so I think I've said it before I think they're also on hiatus right now but the Maisel Mavens is really great Mm -hmm. so they do something similar to us where they just take the marvelous Mrs. Maisel and they analyze um, I also listen to Guys We Fucked. <laughs> oh, I've never heard of that. What is that? It's really good. <laughs> it's uh, two friends, and they basically talk about um, their sexual conquests. Okay. And they have some of them on sometimes, most Interesting. of them. Interesting. And it's really, like, um, all about, like, don't slut shame and... Um, you know, different topic. It's like, it's very, it's an honest conversation about sex. Hmm. Uh, I think, um, I love hearing women who aren't ashamed to say that they've had sex. Right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I also like, uh, have always watched, I think I've said it before, maybe not the basement, not watch, listen to the basement yard, which is also another comedy podcast. Yeah. Um, what about you? So prior to actually making, you know, our own podcast, I was very bad and not very um, into the podcasting role at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, despite the fact that I actually worked uh, freelance as a producer for a podcast prior to making my own. And I just wasn't really ever a podcast listener person at all. Yeah. So um, this year, you know, prior to this lovely crisis, pandemic, hellhole, other adjectives of that nature, um, I decided to get into podcasts mostly because my therapist kept telling me that um, listening to podcasts in the evening can be a good way to unwind, mm-hmm. depending on the podcast, obviously. Okay. And I was about to say, I was like, mm, not if you listen to murder fucking podcasts. Yeah, exactly. And I know that true crime pro- podcasts are also very popular. I'm not, I mean... I wouldn't say I'm not a true crime person, but um, I haven't I haven't ever listened to a true crime podcast. So maybe in the future, Listen, not before and not before bed. Yeah. So the problem I'm just going to interject one second. The problem with true crime pro- podcasts is that I live alone and every sound is a potential murderer. Right. <laughs> so like I'm already on edge. And then it's like you listen to this podcast. And you're like, I'm going to die tonight. It's over. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so all of that to say, I ended up going, you know, down a rabbit hole of trying to find some good podcast to listen to, mostly because I was just like always on edge. And I was thought that, you know, maybe listening to a podcast um, in the evening would calm me down. And I think it might have worked. I can't really say because that, you know, that was a past life that was very much, uh, you know, shattered by different um, COVID-19. So, yeah. 
Um, I did end up, so I did end up finding a couple that I liked, and but my favorite and mostly the one that I've listened to the most is called um, "You Must Remember This," mm-hmm. and it is um, made by someone named Karina Longworth, and she basically just takes a topic from Hollywood's quote unquote first century. It's like the twenty, it's like the twentieth century uh, Hollywood, you know. Uh, folklore, I guess, and just kind of will explore the topic of and the history of, you know, anything relating to Hollywood in that century. And it's quite interesting if you are, you know, um, a f- fan of any film from a certain era or just pop culture in general. So I very much enjoy it. And her voice is like super calming. So I think in some way it did work in calming me down, but I can't really confirm. Okay. <laughs> we'll leave it at with the podcast it's a loaded subject yeah but I also just think that there's so many great podcasts out there and like depending on your taste depending on what you like depending on the time of day even like there's mm-hmm. there's a million and one podcasts for everybody so I would highly encourage them for everyone there's something for everyone and it's, it is really a great way to just unwind I agree with your therapist <laughs> um <laughs> I will say I, because I've been doing a lot of knitting lately, um, Mm -hmm. thank you to the people who have ordered the knits, by the way, (laughs) but because I've been doing a lot of knitting lately, I've really also gotten into audiobooks. Okay. Because they allow me to quote unquote read while doing something else. Yeah. So it's like mindless reading, but also I'm knitting, so I don't feel like it's a complete waste of time. Yeah, I like that. Like you're kind of like you're doing something with your hands while also occupying like the leftover brain space. Exactly. So you feel like you're doing two things at once. And like, you know, we all feel rushed these days. Yes. You know, and or either I feel I have two settings. Either I feel super rushed or I'm very zen. But then I get this like panic that I should be doing something else with my time. Mm hmm. Like, you know, when you're sitting in front of the TV and you're like, what am I doing? Oh, yes. So now it's like, it's a way to kind of ease that anxiety that I have sometimes of like, Mm -hmm. see, I'm doing two things. Shut the fuck up, brain. Yeah. Which like, on the one hand, definitely works at like, you know, calming yourself down, but also that you also get mad at yourself for doing those things. Like, I should be able to do nothing if I want to, you know, why do I have to feel like I'm constantly doing something? Is that a cultural issue? Like, (laughs) yes, it is. (laughs) Yes. Very loaded subjects, by the way. We don't have time for that today, but we'll get into it eventually, I'm sure. It's a different podcast. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) uh, Too many. Yeah, exactly. So our next question is, who would be at the Gilmore Christmas 2020 edition? (sighs) Like who would be there? Who in my mind, my Valentina fantasy, do I want to be there? Um, either or. I feel like it's up to our own interpretation. Okay, because here's the thing. Um, oh, that is a loaded question. Because I would love, love, just like an intermingling of everyone in one episode. Like, worlds colliding. I would love that. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is... I want an episode where it's like Christmas and Lorelai, Luke, and Rory are having Christmas at their house, so it's less stuffy. And Emily is invited 
because she's mommy and grandma, but also Liz and TJ because they're Luke's family and Jess is, you know what I mean? Like I want everyone to kind of intermingle. So I wonder if the question was about like the, just the present day, like who would be at the Gilmore Christmas uh, dinner in, in the present, or is it like 2020 edition, meaning like quarantine lockdown version? Oh, see, I didn't take it like that. <laughs> so I'm thinking it's the first, I'm thinking it's the, 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 the first version in that who would be at the Christmas dinner in the Gilmore house, like today, like in the present. Okay. Um, and I would have to agree. I think it would be nice to see everyone just intermingling, assuming, you know, that ever becomes a, a safe reality again. Yeah, but, like, it's we've never really seen that. Like, I feel like now that Lorelai and Luke are married, mm-hmm. and it's kind of what um, Emily, the whole, listen, we're going to get into a year in the life, and we're going to have a lot to say. But one a of lot, the biggest, so very much. Yeah, but one of the biggest problems that I had with a year in the life is how Emily kept putting Lorelai down because she wasn't married. Mm-hmm. As if, like, marriage is some kind of, I don't know, status. I don't know. what We're going to analyze it when we analyze it. But I think (laughs) it would have been nice, like, if this was her plan all along. Her plan. You know what I mean? If -hmm. this was her, like, dream, let's say, for Lorelai, for her to finally settle down and be happy. I think it would be nice to have one holiday where, like, Emily gets to see that just because it wasn't perfect... Mm-hmm. Laura like got there eventually and she's happy with her big kooky blended family you know what I mean yeah and so I feel like Emily also has this vision in her mind of how Rory should have grown up you know a, a baby needs a father like na 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 and so I, I think it would have been a great opportunity for her to see like she's also okay with the big blended family you know she's fine don't worry about it <laughs> yeah I think it's interesting how Emily like never truly let go of her own ideals for how a family should be. Like, I think if, uh, if she, she truly believed that just to be with someone in a family setting is enough, I think she obviously would have been satisfied by Lorelai's life in a year in the life. And she clearly wasn't. So I think, I think come hell or high water, Emily Gilmore, like holds everyone to the same standards, even when she doesn't. Yeah. I agree. But it's like I said, it's my Valentina fantasy. It's living in our true Valentina fantasies. So I needed it to happen. <laughs> yeah, my answer would be I agree with everything you said. And I think um, obviously just throw Jess in there and I'm, and I'm good. Yeah, but but let's be honest. He's a part of the family. He is. Come home for Christmas, bitch. Okay, relax. <laughs> Jeffrey wants you to climb him. <laughs> Come home for Christmas and hug me and don't let go. <laughs> uh, moving on. <laughs> That's an interesting question. And, and I think that if ever, I, I'm losing hope right now, but if ever there is um, uh, another season, mm-hmm. I would love to see a more loosey-goosey Emily, which we saw in the last season, but like taking it even further and kind of accepting her daughter's life as it is, you know? Yeah, and I think, you know, we've said multiple times our mixed feelings about um, either a a second revival or a second season of A Year in the Life. And at this point, I feel like just give us a second season because all of us are just so entwined in what we want to happen next and what what should have happened and what didn't happen. It's like, just give us one more and, like, finish it, you know? Yeah, but 
we've said it before. Well, at least I've said it before. You're never going to be satisfied. So why not just leave it as it is? It's true. It's just, it's so frustrating. I'm like, so no, frustrated. Can't please everyone. <laughs> you have no. a vision for what you want. I have a vision for what I want. Let it just live in your fucking head. See? Our true Valentina fantasies. Exactly. Okay, so on the theme of Hol- Gilmore Girls Holiday, um, our next question is, uh, what is our favorite holiday episode of Gilmore Girls? Oh, Thanksgiving, hands down. Like, which Thanksgiving? The season three? Yeah. I enjoy that one, but not as much as the Bracebridge dinner. That's not a holiday. That took place that Christmas-esque holiday-ish. Okay, fine, I'll give it to you. It was snow. It would look like Christmas time. It was snowing. Ooh. <laughs> it's snow six months out of the year in Montreal. Is that a holiday? Excuse me, but on that Netflix post of the list of uh, Gilmore Girls holiday episodes, was the Bracebridge Dinner not on that list? That's Netflix. That's not me. Why are you getting mad at me? <laughs> um, Because clearly Netflix thinks it's a holiday episode. Oh, well, who died and made Netflix, God? Um, I don't know. But they they agree with no, me, so I'm agreeing with them. It's fine, I can see it. But I love I love the Thanksgiving episode. So much to unpack. True, and also a lot to unpack at the Bracebridge dinner, as we did when we when we discussed it. And we did agree that it was one of our favorite episodes of season two. No, listen, I'm not saying it's not a good episode. I I think I said it then, and I'll say it again now. I think it's great because that is actually an example of two worlds colliding, right? Her parents are coming and meeting the town folk and liking the town folk and having a good time. And like the the fact that there was this niche party being thrown and that's like so on brand for Stars oh. Hollow. And the fact that like it was a niche party for someone out of town and then the town ended up taking the party. And like it just makes a lot of sense if you think about it. Absolutely. Very on brand. Very on brand. Um, and then our last question from this list is from our lovely friend, Emily, who we love very much. Mm-hmm. Um, she wants to know, what are we both reading, if anything? Okay, so Emily, we're always reading something, let's be honest. <laughs> she knows us. She was. She just wants to know what, what we're reading because she knows we're reading something. If, this, if anything bullshit, has to go. <laughs> um, I'm reading, I'm fine, I finally, ugh. I'm finally getting around to reading Where the Crawdads Sing. Oh, is it good? Honestly, it's so fucking good. <laughs> it's been on my list for a very long time. Oh, I my God, me too. Um, but I finally got around to it because I saw that the audiobook was available from the library, and I was like, let me just get it at this point. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, four chapters in, I was already an emotional wreck. Oh, God. Yeah, I don't know if it's PMS, I don't know if it's Christmas, I don't know if it's quarantine, but I was an emotional wreck. All of the above. Yeah, like every single chapter, I'm just like, but why? Um, no, it's really, really good. It's funny you say that because um, in the last, in one of the last uh, university classes that I took in person last winter, um, that was, you know, grinded to a halt. Um, the girl, the girl who I was sitting next to in one of my conference classes, um, she was she was reading that book and like would always have it with her right before class started. So I asked her one day, I was like, "Oh, is it good? It's you've been on my list for a long time." She's like, "You have to read it." And it's I still so have it, so I didn't listen, but I'm gonna have to read it now. It's it's oh, it's really good, and I can't even explain it. Like, 
It's one of those books, you know, when you read the synopsis in the back or in the whatever jacket cover, and you're like, ooh, like mysterious enough that it hooks you, but also like, I don't know what this is. Mm-hmm. And then it's one of those books that you really just have to dive in. You just have to say like, one, two, three, go, I'm going. And then yeah. it, it ooh, I just, I can't stop. <laughs> it's really good. I might be motivated to read it now. I'm also reading, because all my holds came in at the same fucking time, I'm That's also funny. reading um, The Queen's Gambit because I watched the show and it was really good and I wanted to see how it differed from the book. I didn't know it was based on a book. Yeah, and the book came out in the 80s, the early 80s. Oh, interesting. So I was like, I'd like to see how they kind of switched, well, made it for television. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm kind of trying to juggle both because they're both due soon. And I'm like, no, don't leave. Um, but uh, yeah, that's what I'm reading. What are you reading? So I just finished a really old book that was um, quite scandalous, circa 1956, when it was first published. Um, it's called Peyton Place. Oh, yes, I've heard of it. Um, which has like, there's just the term Peyton Place has since become a bit of like a pop culture term for any town that is considered, you know, like a small town that has scandalous secrets or something going on that's sinful. So I'm pretty um, sure they reference Peyton Place in Gilmore Girls. For sure they have. For sure they have. Yeah. Um, it was also like the original Desperate Housewives. So you understand why I was in, why I was intrigued. Oh, well, so <laughs> but anyway, um, it, so it first came out in 1956 and it was super like a not like almost a banned book, but just beyond like it was so controversial that Pub, like the publisher considered um, like pulling it all t- all together, I think at one point mm-hmm. because it was causing such a stir. They never did because it was such a bestseller, and that would just be shooting themselves in the foot and losing money. Yeah. Um, but it was actually, you know, I'm not very, I'm not very good with classics, depending on which one. And not to say this is a classic in the same genre as others, but. Um, it was actually just like the writing held up and I wasn't bored, shall we say? Like I find depending on the classic, like it can kind of get boring yeah. after a while. Um, just based on the writing style or what it's about. Like, you know, I took a whole class on Jane Austen and I understand the the, the books and their cultural impact, but Jesus Christ, they're boring in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, so like just in comparison to that, like it's it, it holds up and it was, I won't say gripping because it was kind of slow, but it was like, once once you get into it, it was just pretty interesting, and it really can. And if you compare it to like taboo subjects today, I think a lot of the taboo that this book addresses is still taboo, you know, a half a century later, which is kind of sad. Like it 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 brings up like abortion, incest, adultery, like a bunch of just super under the radar topics that in 1956 would have been like, oh my god, and today it's still pretty, you know, scandalous. So it's just it was interesting to see how relevant. It still is all these years later. Interesting. Yes. And it actually took me a long time to find an actual copy. It had been on my Goodreads TBR since 2017. Mm. And I could never find a copy anywhere. So I'm guessing it was that controversial that it's hard to find now. Um, I ended up finding it on Book Depository for actually pretty inexpensive. And I do not regret it. That's good. We've all had those moments where we... uh, Instantly regret buying a book. Yeah, and it was like it was it was still like pretty pricey, but I was like, you know what? I'm really running low on reading material, and the library is closed until further notice, so Ugh. I don't feel bad. 
Yeah, I recently read a book actually where I'm like, ugh, why did I buy this? And I remember I bought it because it was on sale and it seemed very interesting, but now I'm just going to donate it because I'm like, oh. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, I know. You start thinking like, ugh, money. I wasted (laughs) money on this, but anyways, it's fine. (laughs) So I think that's all I have on my list. Was there one more question that you had for me? Yeah, the other one was somebody wants to know what we've been watching lately. Well. Last movie well, show you watched is what it says. So, do you want to go first or shall I? I can go first. Okay. Um, Tell me what you're watching. I've been watching. I finished The Crown. No, that's a lie. I didn't finish The Crown. <laughs> I have two episodes left of The Crown. Um. So I watched The Crown. I've been watching The Morning Show. Oh, really? Is it? I have still have not seen it. Is it good? Yeah, it's. It's one of those shows that's very relevant to what's going on right now and Me Too. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's very well acted, I have to say. And there's a lot of different layers. So I'm, I'm trying to take my time with it, but it's, it's so far so good. And also, just FYI, there's a running gag uh, in the morning show Is about, there? about a Gilmore Girls uh, Broadway musical. <laughs> really? Yeah, so, like, one of the gay characters who's also black is like, what the fuck is a Lorelai? <laughs> so, um, yeah, he's basically, come, they're, like, waiting in line to go see Gilmore Girls, the, the musical, and he's like, why do I have to watch a bunch of white people on stage from Connecticut? Like, you know, he's just, like, going off. But anyways, it was funny. I have um, to say, I have to say, I, I would go see the hell out of a Gilmore Girls musical. I would definitely go see it, but I think it's just, it's, the reason I think it was just really funny is because we often talk about how Gilmore Girls is very white. It is. And it's very much like white people problems. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and to see like a gay queer man saying like, yo, what the fuck are we going to watch? <laughs> it's just very like on brand. Um, not to say I wouldn't watch it. I would definitely watch it. But I'm just saying it was funny. Um, they bring, Yeah, they bring it up like two or three times so far and I'm not done yet so mm. and then the last movie I watched was The Happiest Season with my wifey Kristen Stewart and my husband Dan Levy exactly and did you enjoy it I enjoyed it like listen it's a lot of people were giving it shit because it's very predictable very cutesy but guys it's a fucking Christmas movie they're meant to be predictable yeah and also, it's about fucking time there was an LGBTQ plus Christmas movie. <laughs> so I actually heard the criticism that I heard was actually like not that not that at all. Um, the criticism that I was reading was a BuzzFeed article, basically just like um, responding to a lot of the um, complaints on Twitter regarding why the movie wasn't good. So I feel like a lot of like um, just people in the LG. Um, TBQ community was just like not enjoying the movie at all and like what like this is this is garbage and like wasn't really elaborating on why it's garbage mm-hmm. and so the article was basically just it was like it was a like one critic's opinion as well but it was also just articulating why um, like queer people might not enjoy it as much as you might think and I think it was because um, the movie was kind of billed as this cutesy fun predictable rom-com but a queer cutesy predictable rom-com and like instead of it being queer people having a happy holiday it was almost like queer suffering in the straight world in a happy holiday which is not what people were really looking for from it but 
that's more or less on them if you you know were expecting a happy I mean it's called happiest season but if, like if you were expecting a story about going home for the holidays and realizing that your girlfriend is not out to her conservative family like that's probably not going to be a cutesy story all the way through yeah so here's the thing I feel like that's on you <laughs> yeah like what did you think was going to happen it's literally in the trailer that she her parents don't know that she's gay yeah and you have to hide the girlfriend so I think it was just the fact that they that um, maybe in in the term in terms of the culture at large they want people more or less wanted um, just a happy um, holiday queer rom com and like not to say that it's not happy I haven't actually seen it yet I was in, I was actually going to ask my mom to watch it this evening so stay tuned um, but I think maybe people were just upset that there was a lot of queer suffering and we're done with that but yeah so you know. I think and I understand where these people are coming from because a lot of them, and this has also resurfaced lately on Twitter, I've been noticing that, um, you know, Dan Levy wrote a show called Shit's Creek, in case you've been living uh, under a rock, um, where his character's queerness and Patrick, his boyfriend's queerness is just not questioned. Mm-hmm. Um, where like people are just like, yeah, whatever. You're gay, you're queer, whatever. You know what I mean? And there's very, very little um, of that suffering that we see a lot with LGBTQ plus characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we've been seeing lately on Twitter and on Instagram is a lot of people kind of taking the time to thank him and say, like, it was very refreshing seeing um, a character that I identify with, a queer character that just like was living his life and the plot didn't revolve around him struggling with his sexuality or struggling to tell people or explain you know what I mean Mm -hmm. um so I think a lot of people because Dan Levy was also in the happiest season a lot of people kind of assumed that this would be like the same thing yeah for sure um which listen I understand I think it's also about time that we had more shows like Schitt's Creek in terms of queer representation where it doesn't fucking matter. You know what I mean? Um, But at the same time, it was more of a, well, I don't know. I'm not going to spoil anything, but it, it, it's a fucking Christmas movie, but LGBTQ characters. And one of them doesn't know, like one of them's parents don't know, you know what I mean? Like you knew what you were getting into. For sure. And um, I don't know. A lot of the criticism that I was getting, it was very cheesy. And they didn't like one of the characters very much. But I think I would definitely have to agree that, like, just the fact that everyone saw that Dan Levy was in it playing a sassy queer character, they assumed that it would be similar in tone to Shit's Creek, where it's just, like, the queerness isn't questioned. And yeah. uh, Dan Levy created the show as a space where homophobia and queerphobia doesn't exist. But, yeah. like, unfortunately, in the real world, they do exist. Exactly. So, so. I think, like, as much as I love Shit's Creek and as much as I love when people were coming out and saying that it was great to see something like that represented without conflict, it's unfortunately not the reality that a lot of queer people live in. Yeah. So I think it's still important to tell the other side of the story, which is um, what's happening in happiest season. Yeah. I think, I think both things can be true because like for me, you know, as this podcast um, resident homosexual, 
Um, I have to say that um, like Schitt's, like Shit's Creek for me was uh, very refreshing and very important, and I loved it because like. Uh, as I said, Dan Levy wrote it as a place where homophobia and queerphobia just don't exist. Like, it's just not the fact that it's not even questioned. It's just that, like, they exist. And yes, they're different, but it's like it's a place where it's just warmly embraced and celebrated without question. Yeah. I feel like that, I feel like that's more important than the fact that, like, homophobia doesn't exist in Schitt's Creek. Like, it doesn't, but, like, you know, as you know, as an audience member, as an, as a, and as a person in the real world, that it does exist. And it's yeah. just nice, it's nice to watch this show with this family in this town where it's just warmly celebrated and and like embraced. So yeah. I think it's kind I think of an it's, escape for you. Yeah, it's it's like it's an it's an it's, it's an escape and it's also just a nice like how I even say like it's just a nice take on queer characters and queer representation and not having not having, you know, coming out and the traumas of coming out being the only thing defining the queer story and the queer storyline. Like, I feel like those things are obviously important, like we said, and that's why I say both things are true. Like, those stories and those narratives still matter. But on the other hand, like, as queer people and queer people of color, especially, they still, like, they still suffer so much even after coming out. It's like you want them to also have a story where they can just be happy and cheesy and happy-go-lucky and not have to worry. So I think those movies should also be starting should like be made now and the stories like happiest season are also important so i think just pick one and go with it absolutely uh what was the last show you watched so i've been watching um the show alias with jennifer garner from the early 2000s um and as i explained on our instagram in the summer i had bought the first season on dvd like almost 10 years ago um back when best buy I still had an a to z selection of D- of tv shows on dvd um and i think i was just too young for it at the time i just couldn't get into it i tried to watch it at least four times after buying it and i just really couldn't get into it and i think i felt guilty because i spent probably spent like a whole gift card on it at the time i was 13 and so i always thought like i have to watch that eventually so this summer um i was just in desperate need of a new show and I thought, you know, let's give it a try. I, need, I needed a change of pace, and I haven't really ever watched action or espionage before, but for some reason, like, the first season is a bit slow, but once I got into it, I'm just really into it now, and, like, I think it's become my emotional support show during this difficult time of working from home, and um, I don't know where I'd be without it now, but I'm that's what I've been watching. I really can't get into that show. I mean... I feel like a lot of time has passed now, so I think you're fine. But, um, <laughs> like, I don't know. I can't really explain it. Like, it's very, it's very like soapy and soap opera-ish, and like beneath the surface, the tone is very much like melodrama. Um, so I understand like why it was so beloved at the time when it was on. And Jennifer Garner does all of her own stunts for that show, or did all of her own stunts, if there was ever a question. And she deserved an Emmy for both actress and those stunts because uh, Jesus Christ, that woman is talented. Pardon? Did she ever get an Emmy? Not for that, I don't think. Mm. I'm not even sure if she was nominated. I think there was Golden Globes, but I'm not sure. Interesting. So yes, and it also reminds me, and I was telling my mom because my mom was a huge fan of that show when it was on, and I was also, and when it was on, I was way too young to watch it with her, but. Um, I was telling her that I just miss that that era of like network TV and like they don't like they really just don't make TV shows like that anymore. 
and I just I just miss like weekly episodic television. I feel I just hate that like that method of TV is on is on the decline in the culture. Mm-hmm. No, we've talked about that before. Yes, so I'm just not really I'm not really big on the Netflix era of streaming and everything's released all at once and I feel like I feel like just the shows in the streaming era are designed to be consumed as fast as possible and that's not how I watch TV I mean yeah I mean it has its perks but it also has its downsides too so like so don't enjoy like I hate myself after I binge watch a show (laughs) and like I recently watched The Great on Prime Mm mm-hmm uh, it's about Catherine the Great, mm-hmm. um, and it was really, really good, and I binged it in a weekend, and I was like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I felt terrible. Like, you know when you eat too much and you feel disgusting? I felt disgusting, but without food. I'm like, that's how I feel usually when I binge watch, and as you know, I'm terrible at binge watching. Like, for me, like, to, like depending on the show, like, if, if it's a mindless sitcom, I could probably watch a bunch in a day. But yeah. If it's like a show, like a an hour long drama, or have to sit and pay attention, and like information is being chucked at me every thirty seconds and like five thousand miles an hour, like I can probably only watch maximum three in, in an afternoon. Like I need time to digest what I've watched. Yeah, no, I'm 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 getting better. I have to say at spacing things out a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I still have two episodes of The Crown, but The Crown came out in November. I feel like I'm doing pretty good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the same thing with the morning show. I could have easily, I, I know I could have easily binged it, but I was like, no, we're going to take our time. We're going to let things settle a little bit. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I think I'm also nostalgic for that time, but I don't know if it's more because I'm nostalgic or because I, like I said, feel gross after I do it. I think it's a bit of both. Like you, like you think that at least for me, I think it's just that I want to watch it as fast as possible because a I want like you want to know what happens and like yeah. it's especially if there's cliffhangers like you just can't you just want to keep watching, but like at the same time for me, especially with net not so much with Netflix because and like Netflix originals and even Amazon originals like they pretty much live on the service forever if they've been made by Netflix or mm-hmm. made by Amazon, but like even if a show that wasn't made by Amazon or Netflix gets added to the, to the streaming service like. I feel compelled to watch it as fast as possible because what if they take it off and I now I'm I'm emotionally attached and I don't get to see the end. So I'm like, that's why I'm more inclined to buy the DVDs because at least I can watch it at my own pace and no one's going to take the the DVDs away from me. Yeah. Well, that's the uh, modern day equivalent of a show getting canceled, I guess. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Anyways. Um, Should we move on to what we wanted to touch upon this week? Which is oh. Jess and um, his sexuality. <laughs> Jess being queer, shall we say? Jess being queer, specifically uh, being bisexual. Yes. So as you might have seen on our Instagram story, um, we put out a request for um, any queer members of our audience who wanted, who and fans of Gilmore Girls, who wanted to send us their opinion regarding just possessing queer and or bisexual character traits. And this was something we touched upon briefly last season, like very briefly. Um, And then Eleni posted these tweets that she found basically speculating again that um, Jess just 
has bisexual character traits. And to me personally, I think it's a very, I mean, obviously, because everyone knows me and Jess are very much in love. But I think just in general, I find it interesting um, when people say like, oh, that character has like a queer, like has queer personality traits or has some kind of like alternate vibe to him. And I think it's interesting to analyze because obviously, as we said, straight people shouldn't be the ones defining what's queer and what's not. But I think it's interesting to analyze like what exactly about a character screams bisexual or screams queer. Yeah, so um, let's go back to the beginning. <laughs> the beginning. The beginning was, so we had, I think it was in in beginning of season three, there was a video that somebody posted, like an edit of like saying that he was bi. Yeah, bisexual lip biting. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, I don't like, I don't care. I'm here for it, but I need. I, I was just curious as to why, because it's something that's come up a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. And then um, I had posed the question on Twitter, and the person, um, the person's Twitter handle is bisexual books, and their name is bisexual supremacist, which I'm here <laughs> for also. Um, and they replied to me saying that. Um, the the reason they 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 had the, oh, I can't speak <laughs> the reason they thought in their minds that Jess was gay um, they like directed me to some of their previous tweets about it so I'm gonna read you the tweets it says forever thinking about the fact that the first book Rory and Jess bonded over was How How by Allen Ginsberg a book with a queer author and explicitly homosexual references and Jess's favorite writers were the Beats who were literally all by Rory and Jess are bi-confirmed. And then also reply to that, also the whole running away from parents, being disliked by your town, flourishing after high school, bisexual confirmed. (laughs) So then I went and told Jeffrey, I was like, the whole like running away from your parents, flourishing after high school, that's bisexual confirmed? (laughs) Yeah, like, again... We should we should stress before we get into this, like these are like one person or several people's own opinions, like own. That being said, it was the person who had made the original like video. So I wanted to know where they were coming from. Right. Yeah. So where they're coming from. And then. um, But like I said, it's not the first time we've heard this about Jess. And then I kind of sorry, I dropped something. (laughs) I kind of pushed back and said, like, he didn't really run away from his parents. His parents sent him away. Yeah. Uh, Disliked by your town. Yeah, it's because he was a shit who stole things and kicked gnomes. (laughs) And um, flourishing after high school. Yes, he flourished after high school, but he could have flourished in high school if he wasn't such a fucking Walmart lover. (laughs) Yes. So I feel like there's a lot to unpack there. So that being said, like, it's not that I'm disagreeing or that I have an aversion to just being bi. I don't give a fuck. But, um, and then it, it opened this whole can of worms where Jeffrey and I were saying, even though it's one person's opinion, that opinion is coming from a queer person. Mm-hmm. And I think we we both kind of settled on only queer people should be responding to this. Yes. And that's why we put up the call to only LGBTQ people. We're like, tell us why you think he's queer. And what was the response, Jeffrey? So there was quite a bit of response to my to our um, call out for opinions on this subject. And 
I think just in general, why, if you're wondering why um, we don't think straight people are, are the ones to define queer character traits, like, first of all, if you don't know why, like, that's on you. Second, um, just based on, you know, schoolyard politics that still exists into adulthood, like, I think straight people's grasp on what makes someone queer is a bit warped, even when you've, even, even if you have, you know, queer friends or queer family members, like, if you yourself are not queer, you haven't really gone through that experience or to have that perspective. Mm-hmm. So it's not really your place to be, to be, to be, like, defining what's queer and what's not, just in our opinion, I shall say. Yeah. So um, I did get several opinions regarding why, like what um, bisexual character traits or queer character traits Jess has. But the overwhelming consensus of all of the responses was, I can't explain it. There, there's just something about him. Honestly, that was the funniest thing. Like so many messages just being like, I'd love it if he was bi. That makes so much sense to me. I'm like, yes, yeah. I get it. But we wanted more. Like dig yeah. deeper, please. And by the way, it's not necessarily, it may not have been the answer we were looking for, but it's not necessarily a bad thing, right? No, and I loved how people got so passionate about it, even though that wasn't what I was looking for. I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. I'm glad we agree. (laughs) Honestly, the funniest part to me is like opening our messages and like waiting to see like this really big, insightful stuff. And I would open it and I would get paragraphs, but the paragraphs are just saying the same thing. Like, I don't know. He just, he's just queer. (laughs) I'm like, okay, cool, thanks. Uh, you know, I'm definitely here for it. You really offered us a lot, like, you gave us a lot to think about. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. Okay, so... But, yeah, so we've talked about this, um, and I kind of wanted to get your... Because I've thought about this some more since we put out the call. Um, so, do you think... Um, the, a question for you and for everyone, like, that we should think about... Like I said, I don't care. If he's queer, great. (laughs) Better for everyone involved. (laughs) Um, But do you think that we're confusing, or maybe not confusing, but do you think that we're conflating, let's say, decency, tolerance, and inclusion with queerness? Um, What I mean by this, in case it's not clear, like, do we think that because Jess gives off this air of, like, just live your life. I don't give a fuck. Like, we um, think like meaning in terms of his general demeanor. Uh, his general demeanor of just not giving a fuck about anything. Like, are we confused? Are we conflating that with queerness? So what I mean is like, because we also, so maybe I'm not explaining myself properly, but we also see the same thing with Paris. Yes. Like a lot of people really think Paris is gay. <laughs> Um, and again, like, I don't get, but I think the reason people see it in her is because Paris hates slash loves everyone equally. Yeah. And she's always given off this vibe of, I don't care who you are, who you love, your ethnicity, race, if you're stupid, I hate you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. So. Are we inflating these traits with queerness? So I feel like, yes, the answer to your question is yes, but on, but on a deeper level, I think it's getting at. And uh, a certain level of angst in Je- both Jess and Paris. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people are definitely interpreting that angst as just this like anger towards the world that queer people tend to have when they realize that, hey, I'm different and the world is not generally 
wired to accept to accept me and my difference in that way necessarily and i think it it does create a lot of anger especially in teenagers um and i'm thinking in particular of uh naya rivera's character on glee there was this, um, a particular scene in a clip that went around when she unfortunately passed away in the summer and it was just the um her character santana lopez explaining like i'm a bitch all the time because i'm angry i'm angry because i have all these feelings and she's like talking to her best friend who, who she's in love with and it just it makes sense sometimes when queer characters are just sassy and bitchy and I too am sassy and bitchy a lot. And yeah. I was named, I was named sassiest student in my high school yearbook. Um, so I think that, I think that angst does kind of symbol queerness in some way, but I think I would, in terms of angst, I would think it makes more sense with Paris just because Paris is a little more tightly wound than Jess. Yeah. Um, you don't say. So I think if I think when a person is that is as tightly wound as Paris, it would make like I could totally see her being a lesbian in later life. Like totally see that. Um, with Jess, I'm not gonna say I don't see it, but um, I think more or less it's it's not his angsty demeanor, in my opinion, that's symboling queerness. I think it's more um, his maybe his just laid back, carefree, beatnik kind of vibe that gives people like bisexual like suggestions shall we say so it's his taste in literature not necessarily so like that's the thing it's like we're we're like we're grasping at straws here all of us um but i'll read you some of what um one person said regarding um bisexual vibes because i asked to i asked that she she sent us our, her opinion regarding jess having queer character traits and said something about how both jess and rory have bi vibes and so mm-hmm. i said would you be willing to share a bit more about what bi vibes are and i said are they any different from gay vibes you know because i i'm not bisexual so i wouldn't really be able to define that specifically yeah and she said um there's the way you dress, even though sexuality has no style, but generally some stereotypes that I've seen to be true, like wearing a certain style of Doc Martens, wearing certain clothes, and there's just a sense, however strange it sounds, I feel like I've just gotten used to the way girls present themselves if they're attracted to other girls or if they're straight, and obviously sexuality is a spectrum. Also, interests, like usually the bi people I've met are very passionate about very niche subjects or really invested in politics. So, like, I think she's getting at a queer kind of vibe as well. Like, So can I just say, sorry to interrupt you. Yes. But I think the reason that queer people are also very involved in politics is because they fucking have to be because their lives depend on these policies. Yes, because, you know, one day we, we could wake up and have no rights. Exactly. So, like, whether that's a, a stereotype, like, you know what, I, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to say, like, politics necessarily the stereotype she was getting at. I think she's... Um, no, no, I mean, I think what she's saying is valid, and, like, I'm not trying to discredit what she's saying at all. But I think people need to understand, like, why are you so in, like, activism? They're, like, gay people are usually, like, big activists. Like, yeah, they have to be. They're literally fighting for their lives. <laughs> yep. Like, oh, yep. Um, I think, I think what this person was getting at was just, like an outsider vibe that Jess obviously has. And not to say, like, all outsiders are queer or bisexual, necessarily. No, but I think that's why queer and bisexual people um, see themselves in these characters. Yes. It's that outsiderness. So whether whether or not these characters are actually queer, mm-hmm. 
that otherness that they've felt mm-hmm. they see in that character and i think that's why they think the character is queer as well does that make sense yes for sure like i can like f- f- i f- i for sure the first time i watched gilmore girls i saw myself and Jess just as an as he felt arriving in Stars Hollow as a total outsider like this is hell this is hell like obviously (laughs) yeah um and I think definitely um like queer audience members glom onto that and like see themselves represented and not fitting in in a obviously rampant place of rampant conformity of Stars Hollow even though Stars Hollow is quirky and niche it's still pretty conformist when we get down to it like there's it's white straight white people for the most part except for, you're like censoring a bunch of shit also except from yeah and except for michelle who was the only you know character of color and he only was confirmed to be gay in the revival yeah so. and all of a sudden by the way in the revival everyone's fine with it and we're having a pride parade like you know and i'd like to I, i'm i'm not going to necessarily pin that on all on Amy Sherman Palladino because it couldn't have all been her with the censorship. No, I don't Uh, think it, no, no. I'm not pinning anything on, well, not anything, (laughs) but uh, we've said it before. It's like a sign of the times too, right? Mm -hmm. It's like how well would a show have have done on the WB in the early 2000s if they started mentioning like pride parades and gay floats and shit, you know? Yes. And bi characters. It, but no, it was for sure, like, that would have not fit the era at all. Yeah. And also, I want to talk about, maybe this is off topic, um, but I don't think it is, so fuck it. Um, <laughs> it's my podcast. Um, can we agree that when women say they're bisexual, we're way, like, we accept it way easier than when men are bisexual? 100%. I, you had me finish, finish the sentence, I was like, yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and I think this, it's the reason I say maybe it's off topic, but I don't think it is, is because when we posted the original tweets on Instagram, I got the sense that a lot of people were like miffed. (laughs) Yes. And like, we got comments like, this is such a shitty theory. Just because he likes a homosexual writer doesn't mean he's queer. I never thought this about, like people seem genuinely like people seem like they went out of their way to comment. And and we don't get the same reaction when somebody posts about um let's say their end game being Paris and Rory ending up together. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's definitely a trend that people don't like when men are bisexual. Would you like my opinion on that? Yeah, and I just want to say one thing. I absolutely want your opinion on that. Um, I just want to say one more thing. The the tendency, there's a tendency for um, people when they find out that men are bisexual to just brush it under the rug and say, no, he's gay. Yes. But he's so gay. I have a lot to say about that. Tell me. Um, I think it can all of that argument can be summarized by the fact that masculinity is valued much more than femininity. Absolutely. And that's why it's, I mean, okay, I don't mean to speak for anyone else's experiences. I'm just talking in general here. Mm-hmm. Um, but when, I mean, I can't speak for, you know, every um, lesbian perspective necessarily, but like in terms of bisexual women, I find that it's easier for a woman to experiment culturally, quote unquote, like, um, and not have it be a big deal maybe. But like if a man experimented, it would be like, oh my gosh, identity crisis like you know what I mean I feel like especially in terms of how 
bisexuality is represented on screen. Like it's mostly oh a female. It's mostly a female character. Ooh, like tipping her, like dipping her toe in the in the woman pool or lesbian pool or something like that. And it's and it's never a big deal necessarily. Like it's it's a big deal in the sense that like it might occupy that character's arc for that episode or that you know season maybe. But yeah, um, but let's be honest. How many times have we seen in a show? Um, them talking about how, like, oh, I just experimented in college. Yes. Like no. a woman talking about that. If a man were to say the same thing, oh, you'd crucify him. Yes, and I think that is, I think that just that is just an ex, um, an extension of the argument that mass, like masculinity, is still so fragile. And like, yeah. I think some people might argue that it's not, it's not in the same wheelhouse as toxic masculinity and fragile masculinity, but it really is because. If a man, like, we don't ever talk, it's never, like, fictionalized about a man experimenting. Like, I've, never, I've never personally seen that on any television show or movie. I have. Oh, have you? Yeah, so I watch Insecure. Oh, I haven't watched that yet, but I have okay, to watch it. so Issa Rae's show Insecure, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had a really honest discussion about this exact topic, about how one of the one of the side characters was seeing a man who admitted that in college that's what happened he had experimented mm-hmm. um and like oral sex was involved mm-hmm. and it was a man that she really really liked like really liked and then all of a sudden she doesn't really like him anymore and yeah her, like bitch really <laughs> like they were giving her shit because they're like so what like mm-hmm. so what how many times have you heard a woman say she's experimented? That's not going to change your mind about her. But all of a sudden, because the guy said that he had an experience in college, like you're going to, I, this is what I don't understand. And it's really frustrating because I've had conversations with um, family members and friends and people I love. And it gets really, really frustrating is what does it change about the person? (laughs) It doesn't. I think it's just, I think it's just cultural misconceptions and cultural stereotypes. But what I'm trying to get at is like, if let's say you went your whole life, you went 30 years knowing someone and they're your best friend, does it really matter that 15 years ago they may have kissed or like had sex with a man if they're a man? No. Does that change all the things that they've done and said to you in the past 15 years? Mm-hmm. Like I try and put it in simple terms for some of my family members and um, friends. It's like if that's enough to change your view on a person, then you're the garbage person. <laughs> Yep. Like, yep. No way. <laughs> I, it's really frustrating. And I think I would. I think I would argue, like, for heteronormative audiences, it's much more. It's much easier for them to accept a woman experimenting with bisexuality than a man. Like you, like you said that they they've addressed that on Insecure, and that's like paid cable HBO. So I feel like. Um, that would be like more of a place you would find a storyline like that. But even then, like the fact that you, you we can name one show off, off the top of our heads that's addressed a man experimenting and it changed the whole perception of the character. So yeah. I'm thinking back to um, there was an episode I, I didn't know about this. I saw it recently. There was a clip from an episode of Sex in the City mm-hmm. where uh, Carrie is talking about how she's dating a guy who's who said to her that he's bisexual mm-hmm. and like for a good the, the clip is a good eight minutes long they're just talking about how like 
it's a gateway to being gay. Eventually he's going to come out as gay and like, Oh, I'm just, I'm annoyed. <laughs> it's annoying because even like, even in the era of sex in the city and in the, like the nineties and et cetera, like even back then, women were still given the freedom and space to have that fluidity and experiment with sexuality and like maybe still marry a man or maybe then be with a woman like women were always given that freedom and I feel like it was I feel like it's not necessarily as empowering as one might think because it's the fact that oh no one cares about that no one necessarily cares because that character is a woman I think that's what it's rooted in Mm-hmm. And if I'm, if they were to do that same thing with a man, it would be like, oh, my gosh, scandalous, because men are held to such a higher standard. Yeah, and in a way, it just makes me feel terrible for men. Like, you guys have all this um, pressure. Not that women don't have this pressure to conform in a certain way. But in some aspects, like this one that we're talking about, we can be a little bit more free. Mm-hmm. And nobody questions it. Whereas. Yeah. I find you guys have to be a little bit more guarded with what you say and mm-hmm. what you do, lest it be perceived in a certain way. And even even if you think it's not a bad thing to be perceived in a certain way, you know the negative connotations with other people seeing you that way. Mm-hmm. So even if you are personally okay with it, you have to be wary of other people. And that just must be a shitty way to live your life. No, for sure. Like it's even like I think for all men, and I would even argue worse for men of color. It's like they're held to such a different standard because, like, and not to say that men are oppressed necessarily, but no, like, um, but they're held to such a higher standard that they didn't really ask for, and it's like such a toxic culture yeah. that it's just so much easier to throw to like remove yourself from it. And I had a similar experience of just like. No, and and I just refused to participate in it, and it was yeah. easier for me as an introvert, not really wanting to take part in any kind of, you know, heterosexual nonsense culture. But like, yeah. it's 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 not it's not a healthy or welcoming place for men to ever find themselves emotionally. I don't think. No, and that being said, by the way, there's still this just because you said heterosexual craziness. There- <laughs> Still this standard of being a heterosexual, like, um, how do I put it? Like, there's still, um, sorry, I'm flashing back to the video that you posted of that lady on TikTok saying her son is gay. Yes. Even though she doesn't have a son, but he will be gay. Yes. You're like, why? Straight people do it all the time. Sorry, I just flashed back to that and I was laughing. He's gay. My son is gay. <laughs> Oh, God, that was so funny. Anyways, sorry, what was I saying? Um, Something about... I don't even know anymore. <laughs> I, I said something about men's emotional health, and you were going to say how um, bisexual men are not taken as seriously. Yeah, I mean, like, it's just, it's really frustrating that um, you... My, my whole thing is just let people live their lives. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't fucking affect you. Like, yes. fuck off. And yes. so I had a conversation with Jeffrey and that I would like to share with you. Um, so we had a conversation, Jeffrey, remember this, where I told you that my mother and I had a very interesting conversation. Oh, yes. Please share. So it's just, it's, it's very funny. Um, my mother came to visit me back when things weren't as terrible with the pandemic. But that changed real quick. Um and 
she told me that she could feel for a while that I've been struggling with something and that she just wants me to know that I can tell her anything and she'll never judge me and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, where are you going with this? <laughs> she, so she flat out asked me if I was a lesbian. And she wanted me to know that it's okay if I am and I can tell her anything and she doesn't really give a fuck. And I was like, thank you for that, but no. <laughs> um, and the thing that I wanted my mom to understand, and listen, we both walked away from that conversation being like, like being okay with each other. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I was telling Jeffrey, well, I don't know if I told you actually, but the more I thought about it, um, by the way, the answer to that question is no, but I told my mom and I'll tell you guys, and I think you, I've made it very abundantly clear. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Meaning like I'm nothing. Yeah. I am nothing and everything at the same time. Yes. I'm one of those people who, like Paris, loves and hates everybody equally. <laughs> yes. I'm, I've always said this. I think sexuality is a spectrum. I believe you fall in love with the person, not with the gender or with the whatever it is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it was a very good learning opportunity for my mother because I, I, ta- I, I told her that, you know? Yeah. So, and whether that has a label or not, I don't give a fuck, but that's where I stand. Eleni likes the wine, not the label. Exactly. <laughs> the Schitt's Creek uh, metaphor. But so then I, the, the more I thought about it, so my mom and I walked away from that conversation being fine. Everything was good. I wasn't offended, whatever. Um, I wasn't offended. And she, she was genuinely coming from a place of like, um, she, she sensed me being stressed and anxious. And she thought maybe there was something I couldn't tell her. So it was coming from a good and loving place. And then she left and I had time to think. And the more I thought about it, the more upset I became. (laughs) And it wasn't, I wasn't upset at my mother necessarily. It was more the fact that like the question even came up in the first place. Mm -hmm. And for the reasons it came up. So, didn't, you her, didn't you say her therapist convinced her to ask you? Yeah, so by the way, my mother's therapist convinced her to just blurt it out and ask me. And I text my mother a couple days later. I'm like, your fucking therapist is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you should drop it. <laughs> but anyway, and what I wanted, and we, we've, we've since had a conversation, me and my mother, where I kind of conveyed this to her. What I wanted to tell her was like, isn't it crazy that because I live on my own, and because I've never really had a serious boyfriend and because you've never really seen me with anyone and whatever, and because I've expressed to everyone that I don't want to get married and I don't want to have kids, isn't it crazy that society automatically jumps to, well, she's a lesbian. Yeah. And I go, and I literally use the words heterosexual nonsense with her. I was like, ah, my influence, my impact, ladies and gentlemen. I was like, don't you see how crazy that is that you guys are so stuck in your rigid heteronormative ways that you're like well my daughter must be a lesbian (laughs) you know so it wasn't so much that I was upset by the conversation I was really just upset because it's not my mom's fault I told her it's really like a society thing it's not just you that feels that way you know what I mean Mm -hmm. it's crazy how society has trained us to automatically go well she's a fucking lesbian she doesn't want to use her uterus for baby making lesbian (laughs) like you know and I'm thinking of Kristen Wiig and, and Bridesmaids. Lesbian! <laughs> yeah. So, so I just, and my mom's like, yeah, I can see that. And I'm like, so 
and I told her flat out, I'm like, I'm not upset with you. I'm upset with the circumstances that as a society we've made yeah, and that we've made people feel like they just can't be, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like they just can't live their lives. And there has to be a, a an explanation for everything, you know? And yeah. another one of my mom's things was like, just because I see you get so passionate about LGBTQ rights and you defend everybody, like, and I'm like, yeah, because I'm a decent fucking human being. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have to be black to say black lives matter. Nope. <laughs> I don't have to be, I don't have to have gotten an abortion to say that every woman should have agency over her body. Just like I don't have to be a lesbian to say that lesbians are allowed to exist. Like, you know, it's just a warped way to look at the world. It really is. You know? And I think of men in particular in this case. So that was just my experience with my mother. By the way, me and my mother aren't fine. It's great. We've never brought it up since. It's okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she knows that I'm living my life and that I'm fine. And yes, okay, maybe I'm anxious certain times, but it has nothing to do with my sexuality and that I can't tell her about it. That being said, but I think about things like that of how as much pressure as I feel sometimes to kind of conform to my mother and my family's way of living. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine how difficult it is for men to have that in the back of their minds all the time. Yeah. Like, I can't show affection to anybody because I'm going to be labeled as gay. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but people think there's something wrong with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, for sure. It exists with men in such a different way than it exists with women. And it's just, I'm going to say it's not fair, but it's like, it's, it's just, it's not. It's not not fair, Jeffrey. It's not fair. It's like, it's just, it's not it's not e- it's not equal in a way that it should be, and not to say that you know men don't have enough rights as it is, or what, or like that they're not oppressed or whatever. But like, it's just men shouldn't have to f- like feel that much pressure about those things. Yeah, and if there's one takeaway from this whole podcast is just live your fucking lives. Yes. So I did want to share a few more messages we received regarding Jess being queer. Yeah. Um, one of which was from our listener named Kaya, who sent us a very lovely email. Yes, I love um, that email, yes. So she says she has a lot of feelings about a queer Jess. First of all, the way he acts just screams there's some gay in him. Again, that was a general consensus from everybody. Thank you, Kaya! <laughs> I can't even explain it. <laughs> I bet his gay awakening was from reading some classic gay literature or something. I feel like he was totally cool with it. Like he was just kind of, huh. Like he was, like he is with everything else. I yeah, bet he had. That's the vibe I was referencing. Yeah, I bet he had like a, a, I bet he had a friend group of gay people in New York, but they were definitely the cool gay people who don't make gay a big deal like they just are. I also like to think that maybe the trouble Jess was causing was actually that one of Liz's boyfriends was homophobic and kicked him out. Ooh. Interesting fan fiction option there. Seriously, Kaya, can you just write a fucking? Fan fiction already? <laughs> I think Jess would casually mention to Luke that he isn't straight, and Luke would probably not know what to do about it and go freak out and go to Lorelai, and she would also low-key freak out because what? But then be like, no, you aren't supposed to tell me that he doesn't want me to know. Okay. Also, Luke makes a good amount of gay jokes and stuff like that, so does like every other character, but I honestly don't remember if Jess ever made any. I don't think so. I don't think Jess ever made any gay jokes. Lorelai made a lot. As, mm, I don't think Luke, I think it was mostly like Lorelai's supposed to be quirky wit, kind of. Yeah, Lorelai made a lot of lesbian jokes. Yes. I, and then she said, I don't know, sorry for the incredibly long email. It really wasn't that long. I loved I loved your fan, your fan fiction options. Uh, she also says, 
<laughs> I just feel like the way Jess is makes him seem not straight, and he's also a comfort character for me. And I like to imagine my comfort characters are gay if they aren't already. So that's what we were also talking about, is that there's something about characters like Jess being outsiders and, you know, bitter, sassy, bitchy at times um, that lets queer people who also can be bitter, bitchy, sassy, like moi, see themselves represented like in those characters and just say, he's gay, he's gay. <laughs> My son is gay. My son is gay. Um, yeah. So that's like what, what Kai said was kind of what a lot of messages said in terms of there's just something about him. And I think um, the, con- the consensus we've reached here today is that his outsider qualities and love of, you know, some niche topics that some interpret as bisexual leaning um, kind of give him this queer vibe. And I wouldn't, I'm not against that as anyone can attest. Please, Jeffrey, we know. <laughs> and there was also a message that I didn't see that someone sent us last week when I put out the call on Instagram um, that I'd like to share is from a, a bisexual teen. And she says, I can't help but agree. From the first episode, I definitely caught on to the vibe that Jess might have been bisexual had the show been written today. He's gotten the angst, the music and book taste, and the sarcastic person- personality, which I don't mean in a, in a negative way, just one of my favorite characters. I think it's sad that the show didn't explore sexuality other than heterosexuality, apart from the small amount we saw in the revival with Michelle merely mentioning his husband. I think Gilmore Girls tried to dodge touchy subjects with humor and wit, one of the few things I resent it for. I would have loved to see concepts relating to sexuality, mental health, and other taboo topics. While I understand it is seen as a family show, I don't think it would have hurt to talk about Rory's burnout, Paris's possible anxiety, and the possibility of Jess being a bisexual person as uh, as something other than a punchline. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Yes. Um, and I think, um, again, a lot of it has to do with the time that it was on, the mm-hmm. time period, I mean, that it was on. And I think a lot of it does have to do with the fact that it was meant to be this really quirky show. And the fact that Lorelai, so I think it's two things. I think Lorelai being who Lorelai is, always making comments mm-hmm. and like witty, sarcastic quips that's her character's way of dealing with that's the character's way of dealing with tough subjects yes for sure like even with even when she was going to give birth her note to her parents was dear mom and dad going to have a baby see you later bye yeah like you know what i mean that's her way of like humor can be a really big defense mechanism and i think it is for her and in some ways she passed that on to rory and we see that a lot in jess as well so when Jeff gets angry or anxious or upset, he makes sarcastic, flippant comments, right? And I think that's part of the appeal of the show, too, Absolutely. is that a lot of the characters use, and the, like the show's tone in general uses humor as a defense mechanism. And I feel like a lot of people do that in real life when, yeah. like, when like, and like vulnerability is uncomfortable. So I understand. Yeah. Um, there was also a couple of messages um, touching upon the fact that like Jess kind of would deflect in front of other like other male characters in terms of one person said i've never really thought of it but it could definitely but i could definitely see it there seemed to be a kind of awkward i want to be tougher than you thing going on with jess and other guys and that could totally be hidden feelings no not to say like i wouldn't i wouldn't say hidden feelings necessarily but i could see like um just the way that jess would be kind of sarcastic and witty and kind of like deflect with humor in front of other like stereotypically 
hetero guys like Dean I'm thinking of. But um, I think that like that's kind of the way that I also act in front of straight men sometimes. And I'm just like, I'm not really sure what the vibe is. I'm just kind of, I, w- I won't say much or, I'll make, or I might make a sarcastic comment to like, you know, insert myself in the conversation if possible, like if needed. But I, yeah, I could I see that. It's weird with Jess though, because we never really got to see him interact with anyone in the town but Rory and Dean. Yeah. And he was usually just teasing Dean because he wanted to get to, like, he wanted to get to Dean through Rory kind of thing, or the Mm -hmm. other way around is what I'm trying to say. I can't fucking speak. But you know what I mean? So, like, we've never really, and then in season six, we briefly got him with his three buddies that run the publishing house with him kind of thing. But Mm -hmm. we never really saw him in a friend male group uh, setting. No. So it's harder to make a judgment on that front, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. And on the topic of, De- of Jess and Dean, it was actually the first response that I re- that we received um, on Instagram. Oh, I know. Uh, like, like right after I posted it, like not even a full minute later. And someone sent, I never thought about it before, but Jess constantly commenting on Dean's height every time Dean stood too close to him. Interesting. <laughs> yep. And then there was also somebody posted on the Instagram uh, post that we made. Uh, I don't know if he's bi, but he and Dean would have made a great couple. <laughs> and then I commented, uh, no, but then I commented, great or hot? He's like, yeah, obviously hot. <laughs> um, no, it's going to be a no for me. But if it, if it works for you, I'm good with it. Listen, do what you got to do in fan fiction land. There's a <laughs> reason, there's a reason Harry Draco fan fiction is some of the most read. Oh, dear. It's all that. <laughs> sexual tension listen i don't want to hear anything from the person who reads one direction fan fiction okay excuse me that no, is sorry, incorrect that is incorrect um i have read nick jonas and sean mendes that's the one fiction. i knew it so maybe shut the fuck up yes okay fine all i was gonna say was if if any of this discussion here today has inspired you to go write a fan fiction please send it to us oh my god tag us i want to read some stuff <laughs> Um, I think that's all we have for today. Yes, um, we got into a lot of topics here, so please take the time to digest and let us know if you have any further um, ideas regarding just being queer. We are open to all of them. Yeah, even if it's just like, I don't know, it's just a feeling that I have. <laughs> yeah, I don't And care. I actually had one last question for you. Mm, tell me. Um, seeing as how it's quarantine queries, you know. Yeah, you know. Um, I was actually expecting someone to send in this question, and they didn't. I was going to ask you, what's your all-time favorite holiday movie? Oh, God. Okay, so I don't have an all-time favorite holiday movie. But what I do have is an opinion that is going to offend probably everyone on the planet. Including me? Probably. Oh, dear. Love Actually is a trash movie. Oh, I agree. 100%. Oh, my God. <laughs> I hate that movie. <laughs> what a fucking trash movie. I saw it once, and I was like, what is this? <laughs> no, that's a terrible fucking movie. I need everybody to explain to me why you like this movie. I saw it once, like, not that long ago, actually. Like, under five I years ago, I think. I get through it once. It's, it's extremely... I'm not even going to call it, like cheesy it's just like um, no it's bad it's not cheesy. It's, it's bad it's very long and not much happens and it's i'm like bad it's bad it's bad okay <laughs> and this time of year i always see oh my god watching love actually kill yourself no don't kill yourself oh my god 
I fucking hate love, actually. Okay, don't kill yourself, but you don't know. Don't say that. I'm sorry. There. I'm sorry I said that. <laughs> I'm in a mood. I fucking hate love, actually. If you love love, actually, kill yourself. <laughs> okay, no, let's not do that. Let's not do that, but fuck off, okay? Um, so you don't have a favorite. But, um, I mean, ugh, I love the Family Stone. Okay, I was going to say, my all-time favorite is the Family Stone. And I like the holiday, too. Oh, yes. I like that, too. I've, I actually saw that the first time this year. My mom made us watch Stop it. Stop my, my mom made us watch it in the summer. She's like, it's not really a holiday movie. It, like, takes yes, place. It is, at, bro. Yeah. So she's like. Literally the holiday. We can argue that. We can argue that together later because, she, you know, she thinks that it's not not exclusively a holiday. Never, get your ass down here. <laughs> we watched it in July, and I'd, so I'd, I'd actually never seen it. I I think I tried to watch it with my mom when I was younger, and I fell asleep. Oh and I never God. tried to you watch it what? again. Now that you said you watched it in July, you know what I watched in July? What? What's that movie with um, Amelia Clark? Oh, uh, Last Christmas. Yeah, I saw that in July. Also trash, by the way. Oh my God. I, okay, I was going to watch that this year. I haven't seen it. You can still see it. I mean, it's not trash. I don't know. Maybe I'm just like bitter. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. In conclusion, but also, Eleni hates all Christmas movies. Kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh Lord. But my mom and I watched The Family Stone last night, so that's why I wanted to know. I love The Family Stone. Yes. When I was younger, my all-time favorite used to be Home Alone, because something about Kevin McAllister spoke to me as an only child. I don't know why, even though he wasn't an only child. Um, something about him, you know, being by himself in the in the house spoke to me. Um, I was very yes, I was very obsessed with Home Alone, and but since since then it's shifted to the Family Stone. Your taste has uh, gotten better. Matured, hopefully. <laughs> So I think that's it. Where can they follow us, Jeffrey? They can follow us on tweeters at Gilmore Podcast and on Instagram at Gilmore Girls Podcast. And, and if you want to send us an email, uh, you know, love letters, opinions, thoughts, questions, concerns, business requests. No, please don't. <laughs> um, we we uh, are selling scarves. So. <laughs> Gilmore Podcast at gmail.com. And by the way, Speaking of email, I think we're somehow on David Sutcliffe's mailing list now. Oh, my God. Yeah, I signed us up for that. Why? Uh, it's a story for another time. <laughs> I feel like we're getting emails to join a cult here, thanks to you. We are, but it's because um, eventually when we pick up the podcast again, I want to discuss. Okay, so stay tuned for us joining David Sutcliffe's cult mailing list. Oh, my God, it's so good. Okay. <laughs> And if you have a favorite holiday movie you want to share with us, why you love it, what's your favorite, if you like Love Actually and want to defend it and argue with Lenny, please, I want to see no, that happen. Don't do that. I'll block you. Fuck off. <laughs> okay, then. So, uh, Viciously Hates Love Actually is oh, uh, the takeaway from today, all right? Fucking terrible. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Thanks, guys. Have a good holiday. Bye.